Welcome to Pastor to Pastor, part of the Hope for the Agora podcast series, where we take a look at the issues surrounding stigma toward mental health in the church. As part of the Agora Network Ministries, we seek to use our media presence to bring the message of hope and healing to those struggling with mental health. Through focus, frank discussions, and conversations, we bring to the forefront key issues the church wrestles with regarding support for people with mental health difficulties and ways the church can become a place of support and healing. Now, Pastor to Pastor is the program that focuses mainly on supporting pastors and leaders on their mental, emotional, and spiritual health journey. Welcome. So glad that you could join us for part two of Pastor to Pastor, where I am continuing a conversation with Chuck DeGroote about when narcissism comes to the church. Um, Chuck is professor of pastoral care and Christian spirituality at Western Theological Seminary in Holland, Michigan, and he is an author of a number of books, speaker, consultant, and he is a registered therapist. He's been working in the field of uh, assessments of Christian leaders and churches uh, and has seen firsthand the effects of narcissism on the church and people in the church. Part one uh, was broadcast on our radio program and is also here on the podcast now, so you can listen to it. I would encourage you to listen to it before you listen to this one, because Chuck helps to give us, uh, helps to define a broader understanding of the definition of narcissism. Uh, most people only think of it in a, in a pretty small way, actually. In part one, Chuck and I discussed narcissistic leadership, how narcissism shows up in leaders, pastors, um, and it always leaves some level of fallout. There's always pain involved. There's, there are always people who are hurt by leaders who are narcissistic, and I think you would find that very helpful. Now, in part two, we are taking up something that probably most people don't even talk about when we talk about narcissism, and that is that systems can be narcissistic, that there are churches that are narcissistic. So I think you'll find it fascinating. The book we're talking about is When Narcissism Comes to Church, and it's a wealth of information. It is a topic that has needed to be discussed for a long time, and I'm so, so thankful that I had the opportunity to have this conversation with Chuck. So let's pick it up in part two um, of Narcissism Comes to Church. So let's shift here. We're going to shift here and talk about systems. And I'm so glad you brought up systems because I've had experience with systems. I shared a little bit of that before. Uh, but it seemed like within my denominational background, which uh, is has you know is partially the Dutch background, um, in our uh, sayings um, here in Canada, 
and maybe it was in the States, but we have more recent immigrants to Canada. It used to, it used to call the pastor the domine. That was the Dutch word, the dominant. You hear about dominance right in that word. So it almost feeds. If you have a pastor who's kind of narcissistic, it can really feed that. Well, I'm the be-all and end-all, and I've got the word of the Lord for you, and without me, you don't get it kind of thing, right? So in itself, that system creates that mindset, right? So what do narcissistic churches look like? Narcissistic systems, um, what do they look like? Yeah, so when we talk about narcissistic systems, uh, now we're talking about a, a kind of collective narcissism. So the grandiosity that we see in an individual is now uh, now evidenced in a system, a group of people together uh, who are collectively grandiose. Um, n- a number of years ago, I had a friend who became the, uh, the leader, CEO, whatever they called him back in the day, of a large ministry. And uh, he was excited about the role in this large ministry, but pretty early on, he noticed uh, some narcissistic tendencies within, within the system. Now, he understood narcissism among leaders, but he'd never seen it in a system. But what he noticed was in this large discipleship ministry, there was a collective sense of, we know discipleship better than any other organization or church. We've got the best resources, mm-hmm. the best programs. And they would even go about talking about other programs or other ministries in demeaning ways. And he, I remember he called me and said, what am I dealing with here? And what he was dealing with was a kind of collective narcissism, a collective grandiosity that needed to be rooted out. But now you're talking about, well, now this exists within a whole group of people. And that's a lot harder to deal with, a lot harder to root out than it, it might be with just an ind- individual. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've seen that. Um, and I've talked to numerous pastors, really solid folks who are traumatized by, um, what was this? I've heard it said, you know, churches that chew up and spit out pastors. Uh, that that they go, you know, a pastor senses, you know, God really wants to move and do something here. And, and they come in and just find a wall of resistance the, you know, some of the power brokers, etc. And the whole system is just absolutely unreceptive. So you have, does it just show up mostly as grandiose or do you have, well, you did share earlier in our first segment uh, how it can show up vulnerably as well. Yes, that's right. So, so it, it takes on uh, sort of like the nine faces that we talked about, these different faces of narcissism. You, you can see you can see it showing up within systems in those various ways as well. And so it, it might be, again, most people go to the grandiose, uh, big personality leader, and they might go to the big church. You know, they might say, well, that mega church, that's collective narcissism. But we will see it in that small church that thinks it's right or thinks it's special uh, and thinks that it's God's chosen or anointed ministry or group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not just that feature of grandiosity. It's, it's, uh, you see it in these other ways, whenever there is some sense that I am set apart, unique, chosen, special, anointed, consecrated, those are the, the words that you often hear in these contexts. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know why God has chosen us, but God has chosen <laughs> us, especially as this, you know, the, we're this rural CRC church, right? And, mm-hmm. and uh, back to Iowa, wherever it might be. 
but it just seems like God has chosen us to be the bearers of, of the truth uh, when all of these churches have fallen away. This may be a church of 45 people, but there's this special privileged sense of we are God's chosen ones. And wherever you see that, uh, you'll likely see some narcissism. Right. Yeah, I think of that. Um, you said CRC, and that's my background. And yeah. wow, some of the big splits that have taken place, which don't do, don't give God glory in any way, shape, or form, but some of those came out of that very mindset. We have the truth. You do not. You're wrong. We need to start over. Um, there's no hope for reconciliation. And then the stories I hear that come out of some of those churches are just horrific, um, controlling, um, abusive. So that kind of leads me into the the next thing that, that I'd like to mention about that. Like there's spiritual abuse and then there's emotional ab- abuse. Um, yeah, there's spiritual abuse and emotional abuse. The whole understanding of how gaslighting works in this situation, uh, in these situations. What, what have you seen? What does that look like? Uh, maybe in a more practical way in churches. Yeah, well, well, here's here's just a, a kind of an example of it, a, a, a different story than the one I told a few minutes ago. But uh, a friend went to work in a, a larger church. I'd say probably a church of 1,200, 1,500, something like that. He was on staff as a uh, one of the more senior associate pastors within this church. Um, and uh, began to, to sense that there were some things that were just off uh, about, uh, again, a, like I mentioned earlier, some of the features of a kind of a collective narcissism, the sense that we're the best, our programs are the best, things like that. But even in the way that people related to one another, and all he did was he simply began to ask questions. And remember he sat down, he told me he sat down with the senior pastor. So why is it the case that at this church, fill in the blank happens. And, oh, no, 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 that, that's not happening. And he went to mm-hmm. someone else. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's not true of us. Why, why is it that you're so critical? Why do you have such a critical spirit? I thought we hired someone more humble than this. You know? So the wow. gaslighting began to happen from various members across the organization that he'd raised these concerns with, always coming back to him saying, why are you so critical? Why are you so judgmental? Yeah. Why can't you just be humble? You haven't been here that long. You don't know us. You don't know what God's been doing through us. And over the course of about three or four years of him working there, I watched my friend go from being a really confident uh, human being to someone who was a, kind of a, a, a shadow of, of who he was when I knew him. Uh, he was in, uh, insecure and anxious. He'd been marginalized within the ministry. And that's a good example of, mm-hmm. of someone who experiences that collective narcissism and, and begins to lose some sense of the themselves, their voice, their, um, their sense of confidence uh, in their role. Right. Yeah. And that, that I was just thinking about, like, you know, what happens to leaders who come into a system like that? And, and that right. story um, just clarifies that. Uh, or they just don't last long, you know, um, no. that they know something's amiss. Um, and and I've, you've, you see that with uh, separations of church and pastors sometimes. Um, yeah. That, especially like you know, you were just sharing this story, and I know of pastors who, solid people, like I have the utmost respect for them, and then they come out of a church having to leave 
you know, the church um, just wrecked and they have to go and get healing and go to, you know, someplace like Quiet Waters in, in, uh, mm. in you know, in this, in, where is it, Colorado, in, in Colorado, um, where I've gone to, that it's like, what's wrong with me? Yes. Uh, and they didn't start that way and they wasn't anything necessarily wrong with them, but now they're hurt and damaged and struggling with trauma. That's right. That's right. And, and uh, oftentimes, you know, this in your work, these counseling ministries, they, they know this, they see, they see folks come in who are, you know, questioning their sense of call, questioning their sense Mm -hmm. of reality and thinking it must just be me. And uh, well, well, it's important for us to kind of root out what is our responsibility in, in these kinds of situations. Oftentimes, it's my work. It's getting them to uh, engage and acknowledge the larger reality. Perhaps you were in a, an abusive system, and and mm-hmm. perhaps yeah, there are things for you to look at in you. But but what happened to you is really important to recognize as well. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, maybe to, to close this section. So I'm a, I'm a person in a narcissistic church who has been abused by it. Um, how do I find, how do I find healing? Yeah. So it begins with your own work in therapy. Um, I, I think therapy, uh, I'd also, I, I'd extend that to spiritual direction, spiritual friendships, Mm -hmm. but I do think that there, if you've experienced the harm, the abuse, I dare say the trauma of, of narcissism, then it's really important to do intentional work around that. Uh, just two weeks ago, I got a phone call from an old friend. I had not caught up with him in 10 years. And he reached out because he was experiencing, he didn't know this, but he was experiencing the symptoms of trauma. Um, mm-hmm. Parts of his body were going numb. He wasn't sleeping. He was continually anxious. Wow. And he re-narrated his story, told me about some narcissistic abuse that he'd experienced. And he hadn't connect the dots to see how it was impacting his body, um, how it was impacting his marriage, his parenting, how he was continually angry and how that was coming out in ways that were harmful to his children. Mm-hmm. And I used the word trauma and he began weeping, like crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, cathartically crying. And he said, I had no idea that I'd been traumatized. And I laid out for him the, the journey that was ahead that would include therapy. Uh, I think the spiritual disciplines, I know in my own healing, yes. contemplative spirituality has been really important. Uh, centering prayer, uh, the, the, the traditional practices of the church that invite you to connect with God and connect with your body and connect with your breath. Uh, those kinds of practices are really important. Being in a healthy and healing community is really important. It's it's really important to not isolate yourself, but find yourself among folks who are safe and and healthy for you. And those are only a few of the first steps on a mm-hmm. journey of healing for someone who's been impacted. Right, which would include removing yourself from the place of trauma. Um, <laughs> That's right. I didn't say that. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I think about that because I know people who have tried to work through the spiritual abuse and pain going, oh, I have to be loyal to this church community. Um, This is my home church. This is where I've always been. And it's like, yeah, but it's unhealthy for you. Isn't it time to move on? I mean, having to uh, counsel other pastors 
myself um, saying, what is this doing to you? I, I, I talked to a pastor a uh, number of years ago, just a few years ago, actually, and he was sharing with me, he goes, he'd only been there for like eight months and he had thought about quitting like four times. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's not great. And he's uh, since moved on. And uh, as far as the church was concerned, it was all him. And I mean, we all have our, our stuff to, you know, to deal with personally for sure. But it's like, you should be able to get along. And some of the stuff he shared was like, wow, wow. Yeah. That was just unhealthy. So at yes. some point, too, maybe it's, you know, we let the church even, you know, die, I suppose. Um, I'm not opposed to that because I think if, if, if you have a narcissistic community of people, are they even really listening for God? That's and maybe right. that's a judgment I can't make or I shouldn't make and I'm going to get in trouble for it. Just <laughs> send me the emails, people. Um but uh, it seems to me like if you're a narcissistic in a narcissistic system, are they are they really listening to God? It would be hard to say yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because all you see is to go back to the old Greek myth, the the uh, your image in that pool of water in front of you. I mean, you're it's hard to see God when you're addicted to some sort of image of yourself, idealized image of of your ministry, the fruit of your ministry, or the results or the successes or whatever it might be it's almost impossible to see God in the midst of that. And I think that's what happens is there's a lot of God talk, but there's no real engagement or experience of God. Wow. That is, that is, yeah, solid and profound and a, something we need to hear, something that needs to be talked about more. Um, is, is there a way, do we, like I asked in the first segment about finding healing uh, for a church, a system? Um, well, is it possible? And if so, how might that happen? Yeah, so when, you're when we talk about a, a system, healing for a system, uh, what's, what's hard about that, what's challenging in that kind of work is, is that uh, they might invite you in to do some of the initial work, what I call the above the waterline work. If you think about the, the, an iceberg, you know, there's that mm -hmm. tip of the iceberg above the waterline. Yeah, we want to do some healing around, you know, the 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 recent conflict that happened, yeah. and uh, but but we don't want to get to some of the core issues below the waterline that led to this, maybe a years long pattern of narcissism. And so, uh, for people like me who are, I, I do very 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 part time consulting with churches who are brought in to have conversations. Um, they're happy to have an initial conversation about, well, that went bad. That event was, you know, that that last firing of that pastor went poorly. And there are a couple of people we need to reconcile with. But oftentimes they're not willing to look at the kind of the deeper system and how they got there in the first place. And to do the real work of healing, um, I, I, I sort of hinted this in the book or I get into it a little bit more there. But um, You've got to go beneath the waterline. You've got to get to systems and structures and patterns and mental models and and all this uh, kind of classically what we what we know of organizations and systems work that needs to happen for real health to emerge. And for people who do this work like me, it's it's kind of like they they generally fire you before they're willing to do that work. They generally say, "Hey, thank you, but no thank you. Uh, you've tinkered enough, and now you're, you're touching on a nerve. We don't want to go there, so goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, that really is too bad. Um, 
But I guess at the end of the day, as we're talking about churches, uh, um, you know, we believe that Jesus said he will build his church. It's his church and not our church. Um, Mm -hmm. So he will do what needs to be done. His spirit will move people where they need to be moved for their own healing, for leadership, for whatever it might be. Um, And so, yeah, I've I've seen, and perhaps it's okay for uh, a church to, you know, come to a close because it's that unhealthy. That's right. Yeah, and I... You, you've you've experienced that, I guess. You've seen some churches have to close because because of their unhealth. Oh yeah, yeah. Not willing to say this, like even in my own region of churches here. Um, just before I came this direction, there was a church that closed. And when you hear of the everything from power struggle to the arguments, and having met some of the people that were in that church, I, I read your book and went. Wow, that was a narcissistic system. No wonder it needed to close. And had a trail of pastors who were either let go or were trying to get the heck out of Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, wow. I mean, that kind of added on a bit of a sad note, but at the same time, it I just want to say it is Christ's church, and we have to remember that. And as sinful people, we are part of that. And for whatever reason, God chooses to work through us and use us and yeah. will seek those who are open to what he has um, right. and move with those who are truly uh, seeking what he desires for his kingdom. So we trust that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Thanks for ending on a hopeful note. well yeah because the topic itself could be eh. but i just uh, again thank you uh so much chuck um would love to have more conversations um i'm going to be reading your other books uh because one of the things we do as well here um for pastors is help them understand their own healthy rhythms or unhealthy rhythms uh point them resource them coach them in in um healthy soul care, uh, personal care, all of that. You mentioned the contemplative life. That is something we really encourage. And and we also come alongside the leadership of the churches to help them recognize the pastor is a human being and uh, that they need to be asking, what can we do for you and your personal wellness your mental wellness, all of that. Uh, how do we support that? So that's what we work towards. And um, again, we trust God in that, and he's been blessing the work so far. Uh, and we see more and more opportunities. And the fact that you are doing your work and others like you uh, help with resourcing as well. And so I hope that uh, perhaps sometime in the future you'll be willing to be a, a guest again and we talk maybe on a lighter subject. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay. Well, you do. Oh, thank you so much again, Chuck. May God bless you in the work you're doing. Well, I hope you enjoyed part two of my conversation with Chuck DeGroat based on his book, When Narcissism Comes to Church. We appreciate your support. If you enjoyed our program, 
consider subscribing uh, so you won't miss an episode. Um, Our plan is to increase our podcast presence, but we can't do it without your help. So I ask you to prayerfully consider a financial donation, either monthly or as a one-time donation. To do so, you can go to our website at agoranetworkministries.com and click on Donation. Be sure to mention radio slash podcast in the instructions so your donation heads to this part of our ministry. If you are struggling with your mental wellness, please call your local hotline. The crisis hotline in Canada is 833-456-4566. If you are in the United States, your crisis hotline is one 800 7842433 and please consider reaching out to a local health professional to help you unpack whatever you got to unpack and let God in as you take that journey we want to encourage you in that to take the first steps towards your mental wellness I want to thank you again for listening I welcome your questions and suggestions for future shows, and you can contact me via email at Allen, that's A-L-L-E-N, at agoranetworkministries.com. May the Lord bless you and keep you.